Hey there, ladies. Welcome back to Being Eve. So today's episode is one that is very personal to me. In fact, it is my full testimony. I recorded this back on Facebook Live in 2020, and it has taken me a whole year to share on this podcast. Don't ask me why, (laughs) but I am sharing now, and I think that I hesitated to share it on the podcast because it was so personal to me. Um, I don't think I was fully ready to actually share the whole entire thing for some weird reason. I've shared my testimony in bits and pieces, but to share the full thing from the beginning to end was a little bit heavy for me, but I'm ready and here goes. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to Being Eve. I'm your host, Casey Alexis, and this podcast is designed for the everyday woman who seeks to do more than just survive. You want to thrive. The goal is to inspire, empower, and encourage you as you find commonalities within my story and the stories of some extraordinary guests. Join me as we dive into this brand new episode. So this is one of those conversations that is so good. I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to share it with as much people as possible so that they can change the narratives in their own lives so that they can really live the life that they were purposed and called to live, really live the life that they were designed for, right? Um, So often we are living lives and just being an empty shell. So often we're just Uh, just barely surviving. We're like walking zombies trying to make it, specifically in this season where there's so much chaos, so much confusion, so many lies, deception, um, delusion, right? We want to make sure that we are changing our narrative. We are capable of changing our narratives in seasons like this. So I wanted to share my story on what I was able to do when I began to change my narrative It wasn't something that I did solo. It was something that I did with the Lord's help. But I truly believe that so many people need to hear this at this time. It's a message that is needed. So I'm just going to start. One of the things about changing the narrative to my story, because I can only share it from my point of view and my perspective of what happened in my life, was truly embracing the fact that something was wrong, right? Something was jacked up. Um, My life was not what I wanted it to be. Um, My life was not what what I was expecting. My life was just all over the place. And so when you want to change the narrative to your story, when you want to make a definitive change in your life, you have to realize and take full responsibility for the fact that something is wrong. Um, You have to realize that, hey, this is not right, but what can I do about it? So that was the first thing was really accepting the fact that something was wrong. Can you guys attest to that? You ladies that are tuned in right now, if you can give me a thumbs up that, hey, you know what? When you want change, you have to realize that something's broken, right? Um, it, the, the definition of insanity is 
to continue to do something over and over again when you know it does not work. And so a lot of times we find ourselves in that um, hamster wheel, constantly doing and doing and doing, even though we know that something is broken. So I had to realize and come to the full understanding that something was not right. And so once I realized that something was not right and I wanted to change and I took full responsibility for that, right? Then I had to embrace my story. And when I say embrace my story, I'm not mean like receive it all because that's tough, but I had to be willing to look at the beginning. I had to go to my Genesis. And we all have a Genesis. Just like there's a Genesis in the Bible, we all have our own story. We all have our own start. And so I had to come to the full understanding that I had to look at my Genesis. I had to look at my beginning. What was in my story that transpired, that made me get to the place that I am right now? It was not easy. As a matter of fact, it was very scary. But that was the first thing that I had to do was go and look at my story. And a lot of times for us as a people, uh, we tend to not want to look at those parts in our stories, right? We don't want to look at the ugly. We don't want to look at the bad. We don't want to look at the harm, the trauma, the things that are hurt us. But those are the very things that we need to look at in order to find out what exactly are we bringing in from the past into our present and into our future. So once I decided to really hone in on the fact that, hey, something's wrong. Hey, I want to fix it. Hey, I got to find out where it broke off in the first place. So I had to go back. Can you ladies attest to that as, as well in your life that you had to go back at one point in your life to say, hey, where did I fall off? Where was it? Where did something get broken? Um, where did I make a mistake? Where did I have a mishap? Can you attest to that? Give me a thumbs up if you can attest to that. And if you can, what did you ladies do? Share that in the comments. What did you ladies do? Help somebody else out that may that is tuning in right now that may be hearing this and want to know, besides what I did, what did you ladies do, right? What did you ladies do once you realized, okay, I messed up. Here's my misstep. So for me, I decided to take a good look at my story and with some help, I didn't do it on my own because, again, I was a little afraid. I had some trauma in the beginning of my life. So by the time I was about eight, so let me give you some story. By the time I was eight years old, I was, no, a little bit before eight, I always knew I had a special, special gift. There was something, and I don't, at that time, I didn't know it was a gift, but I knew there was something different about me. Um, I would have these really vivid dreams. I would have these really vivid spiritual dreams. At the time, I didn't know there were spiritual dreams. I was a kid, right? But I would have these really vivid dreams of something always chasing me, something always coming after me, um, something always bad happening to me to the point where I would run to my mother in the middle of the night and literally cry out um, because I was so fearful as to what was happening in my life, in that dream. And so during that time, I would, uh, I would just, you know, I would be really interested in the Bible. I would read scripture a lot. I was really that kid that loved to read. And the, one of my favorite books out of the Bible at that time was the book of Revelation, right? Um, and 
when I would read the book of Revelation, it was just all the beautiful um, storytelling aspects to it, all the imagery, all the things that, you know, I've never seen before in my life, but I could just imagine in my mind. I love books like that. I love books that would push my imagination. And so I would read the book of Revelations all the time. From the time of my youth, I used to be really involved in the church and all that good stuff. And um, in that time frame, scattered around throughout that, I would, um, I got molested at around, I would say, nine, nine, ten years old, where I experienced molestation, where I experienced that in my life, where someone violated me, someone hurt me in that way. And so when I was that young, of course, as a child, you don't know how to decipher that. You don't know what to do with it. You don't know, um, you know, the person never uh, told me not to tell anybody, but I just, I just knew I, I couldn't tell anybody. You ever have that experience where you, the, no one warned you not to tell, any, tell anybody, but you just knew in your soul that if you told somebody, you would get in trouble. So I just knew it. And so from there on, you know, I just bottled it up inside and I didn't say a thing. I didn't say a peep to anyone about it. I kept it to myself for many, many years. And of course, you know, once you keep things like that, within for many, many years. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell siblings. I didn't tell anyone. I kept that inside for many, many years. It does something to you. You know, we hide it, but it does something. It breaks you. You may not know in the moment what it's doing to you as it's hiding underneath your, your life, but it is there. And so over the years, by God's protection, you know, I, I was still going and involved in the church, heavily involved in the Catholic church, heavily involved with my mom going to church constantly, constantly, constantly. So over the years, I was under this protection, my mom's umbrella, my dad's umbrella, and they kept me safe for some time. After um, that, when I got to my high school, we moved from, we lived in Brooklyn at the time, and then we moved from Brooklyn to Long Island around my teenage years. It was high school. 14 years old, new territory, new place, new people, right? And trying to figure out my way, trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? This is, a, this is the suburbs. I didn't know anything about living in the suburbs. All I knew was my hood, right? I wasn't a hood girl, but you know the street. That's all I knew. So, um, Moving to Long Island was a culture shock for me. It was all these new people, new high school experience. And it was high school, walking into a high school where you have no idea of the environment, have no idea of the people, have no idea of the school, and literally just being dropped in this new environment. So, of course, it was such a culture shock that my voice became so silent. I lost me. And this wasn't the first time Casey became silent because, you know, of course, the undercurrent of the molestation, that experience was there. So silence had become, by that time, a part of my life, right? It, it felt very comfortable to be silent by that time of my life. And so in that space of my high school years, I just began to stay around regular kids, right? I, whoever I made friends with, I made friends with. I went with the flow. I was just trying to make it. 
I was just trying to survive. So I linked up with who I could link up with, do what I could to get through from ninth grade to 12th grade. Finally graduated. From graduation, still haven't spoken up, still haven't said anything. The undercurrent of the molestation is there. And then I go into college. Now there's all this freedom, all this access to information, all this access to things, right? And people, different people. And most importantly, the freedom, no longer being under that umbrella, that protection, right, of my parents. And so I started to touch things. I started to get involved in things. I started to get involved with boys. I started to do the things that normally what a girl with my age would do. But of course, when you come out of that bubble, you kind of wild out a little bit. Any of you ladies have ever been there where you kind of made some wild mistakes? You know, you had some wild years. <laughs> if you had some wild years, give me a thumbs up. I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to, but just give me a thumbs up if you know what I'm talking about. Well, I had some wild years. My college years were a little wild. And in that wildness, right, in that, in that period, no identity, no voice, no honesty, no truth. I'm just a vessel, just walking around trying to survive. And so when you're just a vessel walking around trying to survive, you begin to link with people, places, or things that you think are good for you, that you think is going to be beneficial to you, that you think you will get your identity from, but that's not what happens. So you hear the voices of different men, right? Saying, oh, you're beautiful. You're so smart. You're this, you're that. And then you become enticed and you want to, and you fall in love, right? Quote unquote, love. And you give your body to this person, and that's exactly what happened. I gave my body to this person. I allowed him into my most vulnerable space, right? Um, and in that moment, and you know, it's so funny because I knew for some reason, like I told you, I've always been a pretty spiritual kid, but for some reason, I knew that I knew that the first time I would have sex, I would get pregnant. And I never said that out loud, but I just knew in the back of my head. I just knew it. And so I remember the first time I had sex, no lie, ladies, a couple of weeks in, my period did not show up. And guess what happens? Casey is pregnant. So I'm in college. No identity. No voice. No, um, uh, just an empty vessel trying to figure it all out, trying to make it, I decide that, hey, you know, I'm on the losing end. I can't bring a child into all this. I can't bring a child into this atmosphere. I don't have anything. What can I offer this child? What can I offer this child as a mother? You know, my parents are going to be upset at me. They're going to be disappointed. They're going to be hurt. So what do I do? I believe all of that. And then I walk into a Planned Parenthood. I have a seat with the counselor. I'm sitting down. Oh, you too, so you completely understand and relate to my story. I sat down with the counselor. She talks to me. You know, she tells me, you know, you're young. 
Um, this, this time of your life, you just need to focus on your studies. You just need to focus on just being, you know, uh, fully into what you're doing. Don't worry about it. No one has to know. No one has to know. It could be a secret. We'll do it this day, that day. You don't have to worry about a thing. So it sounds good. So that's what I do. I schedule it. And I say, you know what? No one's going to know. I can get rid of it. I don't have to face it. I will be able to move on with my life. I will be able to move forward. And guess what? The whole time, I'm still an empty vessel. I'm still silent. I have no voice. The undercurrent of that molestation is just still there, just riding the wave all those years, right? If you can understand what I'm saying, ladies, please give me a thumbs up or a heart to let me know that you're here and you can relate to this story. That It was just riding the wave of my life. And so by that time, I, I, one of the things that caught my attention when I was at the Planned Parenthood was like, she was like, listen, if you don't show up, show up for your appointed, appointment, guess who's going to show up at your house? The police. That's right. If you did not show up on time for your appointment, the police was going to knock at your door. So now, you know, I have no voice. I'm an empty vessel. I have this, that molestation just riding the wave of my life, having said a peep to anybody. And now the police could possibly show up to my house and no one knows of my, my, my mess. No one knows of my, my hidden secrets. No one knows of my secret life. Oh, no. I have to make sure I have to show up. I could not turn back at that point, right? I could not not show up to this appointment. So fast forward and I show up. I get there. I get to the pre-appointment now, the pre-scheduled appointment, and they're doing the sonogram, and they're looking at everything. And one of the sonogram women, you know, I have to say, I don't know whether she was there because it was a job, but she really, really tried to get me to look at the sonogram machine. It probably was the grace of God. And she really tried to look. She was like, this is the, this is, she didn't say baby. She said, this is what's in your, um, your, your uterus right now. And it's about this size and da, da, da. And she was like, you know, she was pointing to it to try to get me to look. And I knew within that if I looked, I wouldn't went through with it. So I didn't look. I made it. Uh, I made sure that I didn't look because I did not want to turn back. Because remember, I was silent. I was just an empty vessel. I didn't know who I was. I had no identity, and all the whole time riding the wave was that molestation. And so while I was sitting there talking with her, well, talking with her, finally I scheduled right for my appointment. I show up. I lay down on the table, and the next, and the you know a couple of hours later, I'm in. I'm resting and I get up. They give me a lollipop and I walk out the door. I came in pregnant and I left it out empty. The same again, now with another secret, right? Buried from within, right? An empty vessel, no identity, no voice, just riding a wave of more secrets, just buried, 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 buried from within. Ladies, if you can attest to what I'm saying, give me a thumbs up. Give me a heart. Let me know that you're here and that you're listening to this story. So I did it. And I did that for many, many years. You know, um, God is so gracious that after that, I got saved. You know, my sister invited me to this great ministry out in Brooklyn, New York, Christian Culture Center. I went that one day. It was almost like God purposely met me there. So I went to the ministry that day. 
um, at Christian Cultural Center. And guess what the pastor was preaching about? Sexual abuse. His message was on sexual abuse and molestation. And I remember when he made the altar call, so many women gathered on that stage, bawling their eyes out. Ladies, the, the stadium, it, mind you, it seats like 3,000 people in there, okay? And the whole front entrance of the audience was filled with women crying and wailing like babies because they've been violated sexually by a family member, by a friend, by a neighbor. And I could not believe it. But again, I was silent. I had zero identity. I had all these secrets buried from within. You would think that Casey would have owned up to that, but I was standing next to my sister and my brother-in-law at the time. And all I knew was how to keep things bottled in. All I knew was how to keep things secret and how to be silent. So even as the call went out to come forward, if you have been hurt in that way, come forward, if you have been molested in that way, come forward. I could not get myself to come forward. Can you believe that? In that most precious and sacred time, I just couldn't do it. I was so afraid and I was so used to that secrecy that I never went forward. And if you can test to this, ladies, let me know. Let me know that you're still here with me. So I didn't go forward that day, but um, I kept asking God to heal me from it. I kept asking him that, that as I stood there and I was listening to the pastor pray, I was just trying to receive everything from where I stood, hoping that God would hear my prayers, even though I didn't come forward, hoping that he would answer me and help me get rid of the pain, the shame that I carried all those years and just adding and compiling things over and over, giving my body to people that really didn't deserve it because what all I I didn't have any identity. So when you don't have an identity, you just link up with anybody and anything trying to get some form of some a resemblance of life. So, okay, so I'm going to church. I go to CCC. I become part of the ministry. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm saved. I'm born again. I meet my dear husband in that time frame. We're dating. We're We're loving. We're dating boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. Five years in, we get, he proposes. Yay! Yeah, right, right? We get married. Yay! Awesome. But guess what is still the undercurrent? Good night, Ashley. Guess what's still in the undercurrent of all that? My secrecy. My pain. Um, my embarrassment. My shame. The lack of identity. All of that was there. And so it. You know, even though I was very honest with my husband about my, my transgressions, about my, um, my abortion, I was very honest and open with him about that because I never wanted to get to the point where, God forbid, we get married and I could not have a child because of the procedure. I did not want him to be surprised. I did not want to lie to him. I wanted to make sure that he understood what he was getting into. So I was always very honest with him from that aspect. He was probably the first person that I could be completely completely honest with about my story. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. It's, um, I like to say to people all the time that God truly knew what I needed and my husband saved my life. I truly believe God uses people to bring people in your life
life um, to save you. He will use that individual to be a guiding light, to be your 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 um, your strength and your comfort in a in a particular season to um, to anchor you, right? To be his to be the anchor. And so I truly believe God used my husband in that time frame, in that season of my life to anchor me and to hold me down because I was just all over the place. And because he's so calm and he's so gentle and he's so loving. So if you ladies out there have good husbands, give me a thumbs up. Give me some hearts that you love your man because he is such a great addition to you. Um, and, and God knew exactly what I needed. And so we got married and all that good stuff. But guess what? We get married with baggage. I got baggage. He got baggage. We just carrying baggage all over. Right. And so um, it gets to a point the baggage becomes overwhelming. It gets to a point the baggage becomes too much. But before the baggage becomes too much, guess what? Casey gets pregnant. Yay. First time pregnant in the marriage. And um, so excited as any new mom, right, would be as you see those two lines when it's in the right space. You know, you're married now. You now have to be ashamed. You, you're covered by your husband. Everything is good. You have a beautiful wedding, yada, yada, yada. So I get married, have, get pregnant, get the two lines, and we go to the doctor's office. And we find out at eight weeks, there's no heartbeat. Just when it started getting good, here we are with the break. Ladies, we'll be right back after this quick message. That was the conclusion of part one of this amazing episode. Stay tuned, ladies. We'll be back on Thursday, same time, same channel, right here for part two on Being Eve. Well, ladies, thank you for tuning in. I hope this episode blessed you as much as it did me. Before we depart, a quick reminder to head on over to the show notes where you will find all the info to keep in contact with Being Eve and to learn more about our guests. Make sure to let them know Being Eve sent you. Last but certainly not least, Ladies, don't forget to review, share, and subscribe. This is your opportunity to let the whole world know where we gather for absolutely free. As always, ladies, please continue to love, live, and thrive without losing the authentic you.